open them to Matthew chapter 5. The kingdom. The kingdom is the renewal of the whole world through the entrance of supernatural forces. As things are brought back under Christ's rule and authority, they are restored to health, beauty, and freedom. This is what Pastor Tim Keller says about the kingdom. This is his description of it. The kingdom is the renewal of the whole world, the whole world, through the entrance of supernatural forces. As things are brought back under Christ's rule and authority, they are restored to health, beauty, and freedom. Last week, we began our discussion on this kingdom, focusing on the blessings of it. We talked about the blessing of, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That one blessing, which is simply the blessing of kingdom citizenship. And as I said, citizenship in the kingdom is a prerequisite for getting all the other benefits of the kingdom. Basically, you got to be a believer. You have to be a Christian. For believers are the citizens of this kingdom. And they are under Christ's rule and authority. And they are being renewed and restored by him. Believers are being changed from the inside out by grace through the work of God's spirit. We have blessings that are given to us in this kingdom. And there's also character marks that are produced in us as well, which changes our being, B-E-I-N-G. And last week we talked about poor poor in spirit, Christ-like humility before the Father. It changes our doing, D-O-I-N-G, persecuted for righteousness' sake. Living with a Christ-like integrity throughout our life. This week, we're going to continue looking at more of these blessings. We're going to continue looking at more of these character marks that are produced in us. And so, if you have your Bibles, we're going to look at verses 4 through 6 this morning. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Please pray with me. Father, as we come to your word, it's your word. It's your truth, not mine. It's not the village churches. I don't have authority over it. It's yours. And so I come, pray that you give me great humility, Lord, to know that it's not about me. It's not about me. It's about you. And so we call upon your spirit to move because if he does not move, nothing happens. Nothing happens apart from your spirit moving. And so we pray him down that he will move this morning in my heart, in the hearts of everyone here, that he will take this word, Lord, that he will take it and apply it to all of our hearts and meet us where we are this morning. We're in different places, dealing with different issues, dealing with different junk. 
But your word, Father, can speak into our junk, speak into our issues, and provide comfort, provide healing. So, Spirit, you know where we are. Meet us where we are this morning. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. The first um, blessing I want to look at this morning is one of comfort. Verse 4 says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. The blessing of comfort is given to those who mourn, to those who grieve. He says, Happy are they who mourn. They know with full confidence comfort shall come to them in the midst of it. And if you notice here, this blessing of comfort is, 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 is written differently than the one from last week. The one from last week, for theirs is the kingdom. Present tense. This week, for they shall be comforted. Future tense. What does that mean? What is Christ saying here? He's saying that this blessing, this future blessing that is to come is yours now too. That it will happen. You will experience it in this life. Have you experienced God's comfort? Have you? So it's true. You will be comforted. It will happen. All citizens of God's kingdom taste comfort in this life. You will taste it. Not just some Christians. Sometimes you feel like, I'm different. You're not different. You will taste God's comfort. He will come. It is a promise. It will happen. You see, he's the agent that gives the comfort. And you are just a passive recipient of it. You just receive it. You don't work for it. He just freely gives it to you. He gives it to you. Why? Because you are his in Christ. He does not withhold his comfort from his beloved. If he sacrificed Christ for you, how he will not give you all things also through him. He does give comfort to his people. It's a present reality with a future hope. Comfort is ours. Now, what does it mean to mourn? This morning here, I think it's a character mark that is produced in every believer by grace through the Holy Spirit. You see, the tendency is to read through these Beatitudes and to pick and choose which character mark you want. You know, it's not a buffet line. Every believer will have all these marks produced in them by Spirit. You don't do it to yourself. He produces those things in you through grace. Just like poor in spirit. Just like being spiritually poor before the Father. This mourning is produced in your being, in your soul. And in your being, you are mourning, grieve over your sin. This is what this character Mark is talking about. You will grieve over the fallenness and brokenness in the world. You will no longer take pleasure in your sin as a citizen of the kingdom. You will grieve over it. It will become bitter to you. Not sweeter, but bitter. Where there was no conviction of sin, now there is conviction of sin. Because those who are in the kingdom of God are convicted of their sin. That's what this verse means. That's what he's talking about. So you grieve over it. Not in a legalistic way, where you beat yourself up constantly, but with a godly sorrow. A godly sorrow that leads to what? What does a godly sorrow lead to? Repentance. 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 Think about it. 
Were you ever repentant of your sin before you became a Christian? No. You didn't, you didn't care about it. Now that you are a Christian, you are. Why? Grace is at work in you. Grace has changed you. It leads you to the comforts of God's grace where forgiveness awaits you. That's the comfort he's talking about. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted with certainty. With certainty. You're going to get it. As, as I said last week, these blessings here in Matthew 5, 3 through 10 are our riches in Christ. These are how we become rich. Paul, Remember what Paul says in 2 Corinthians, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake and my sake became poor. Why? So that by this poverty we might become rich. By his poverty, we might become rich. Comfort. Kingdom citizenship. Those are our riches in Christ. You don't get that stuff without him. You don't get those things without, by being a good person, by coming to church on Sunday and doing all the good things you, you, we think we do. You get all that through Christ. There's nothing we do to get earned that. You're rich in him, not rich in because you do good works. Every believer in this world has these kingdom blessings. Every believer. In this world has them. And every believer will also have these character marks produced in them by God's grace. These kingdom blessings are blessings of grace. It's the blessings of grace. You see, grace blesses us. We understand that part of grace. But grace changes you too. By that same grace. It blesses and it changes us. It changes us in our being. It changes us in our doing. It produces this mournful spirit. This produces in us this this sense of conviction of sin. Grace does that. We don't do it to ourselves. And it produces in us this spirit of poorness before the Father. What happens to a person who who is exposed to a lot of violence, death, and, and abuse, and crime. What happens to that person? If you see all this stuff on TV or even in real life, a lot of crime, a lot of violence, a lot of death, what, is, what does that do to a person over time? Yes, it desensitizes them to it, to the point where they're no longer shocked by crime, death, or murder. It's like, uh at this life. It, it no longer phases them. It does they become numb to it. You see, the comforts of God's grace has the opposite effect in our life. It sensitizes us to sin. It sensitizes us to the brokenness, to the crime, to the violence in the world. The opposite effect of it. The more you embrace his grace, the more it sensitizes you to your need, to your sin. Sin, sin, that sin against the Father. It sensitizes you to the suffering of others and the effect of sin in the world. Grace does that. The warmth of grace melts your frozen heart. It alone. It melts it away. It does it through its blessings and through its work in your life. The blessings of comfort, the character mark of mourning, it's all produced in us through the power of grace for all eternity and nothing else. Grace sensitizes us. And so that's the blessing of comfort. 
the character mark of mourning. Next we have in verse 5 another blessing. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Like the blessing of comfort, this too blessing is written in the future tense. For a matter of fact, all these blessings here are written that way. And again, the point that Jesus is making is that these future blessings are being experienced now by his people, by all of us. You taste them in this life. You are already a citizen of heaven. You don't have to wait till you die. You already are a citizen. You already receive comfort. And according to Jesus, you have already inherited the earth. And I know, how in the world is that true? How have we inherited the earth already? Like this. When a woman says she is a kept woman, what does she mean? If a woman says, I'm a kept woman, what does she mean by that? Congregation participation, please. Uh, if you are a kept woman, what are you? Basic hmm? needs are provided for. She has no worries at all because her husband takes care of her. And that same is true for Christians. We are a kept people. And I believe that's what it means that we have inherited the earth, that all of our needs are taken care of because of who we are. We shall not want... Why? For the Lord is our shepherd. He is our shepherd. He provides for us. He takes care of us. All of our needs and well-being is provided for by another. Do you realize that? It's not because of you. It's not because of who you are or because of your education or your family name. It's because God's hand has blessed you. Even the unbeliever lives under the sovereignty of God, even though he refuses and rebels against it. We all do. David said in Psalm 27, I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. This is what it means to inherit the earth. We see God's goodness here in the midst of fallenness. Don't think that God is not still God. This is still his world. This is still his creation. His. Not the enemies. Not evil people. It's his world. He's the king of it. He is restoring it and transforming it. And as he does that, his people can enjoy his creation. You can enjoy it. You can be good stewards over it, but not worship it. But not worship it. Because of what he's doing, we can enjoy his creation. Do you enjoy his creation? Do you? You can enjoy it without worshiping. And if you do worship it, repent of it and move on. He's given it to us to enjoy it. Now, don't think this doesn't mean you're not going to have hardships and disappointments. I'm not saying that. But God's provision and his care over you includes him working all things to your good. That's part of inheriting the earth. He even works the good, the bad, to your good. That's how good our God is. As a believer, you are blessed to be a kept person. And you're also changed in being meek. Blessed are the meek. For they shall inherit the earth. This character mark again is a work of grace producing us by the Holy Spirit. And meekness is gentleness, submissiveness. It's like it's a sheep-like character. What comes to mind when you think about sheep? <laughs> well, I wasn't going to say that, but <laughs> it, I guess they are. Is 
is a is a is it an animal? Is a sheep an animal with great strength? Is a sheep known for its strength? Like I'm I'm, a, I'm gonna be a sheep. That's gonna be the name of my football team, the Huntsville Sheep. No one names a team like a sheep because it's not known for their strength. Do sheep prey on other animals? Do they look in the woods and like, look at that little rabbit? I'm gonna get it. No, sheep are meek. They're timid. They're totally dependent on who? Their shepherd for their well-being. This is what grace produces in a believer. A sheep-like meekness. Where our pride of wanting to be independent from our shepherd is replaced with a God-centered view that we depend upon him more. That's what it means to be meek. Grace is replacing, putting meekness in us. So we be more submissive. We be more dependent upon our shepherd that leads us, that provides for us in this life. This meekness also leads to contentment. Contentment with what our shepherd is doing in us. Are you content with the provisions God has given you? Are you content where you are, your family, the material things he's already blessed you with? Or are you discontent? Discontent, you know what discontent is? It curses your blessing is what that is. Ungratefulness is what it is. I'm not grateful for what God has already given me. Because you are all blessed. Even if you don't have what other people have, you're still blessed. You're still blessed. You're still breathing. You have your family. We all have hardships. We all go through struggles. That's just part of life in the fallen world. But God works through it all. He shepherds us through it all. He wants us to be content. And not covet what other people have. While growing up, um, every time we went through hard times as a family, my mom had, I don't know if I shared this with you, but my mom had this one phrase she would say all the time. God's going to make a way. He is going to take care of us. Man, I got tired of hearing that. But that's what she would always say. Every struggle, everything we went through. God's going to make a way, Alex. He's going to take care of us. And I remember... Um, there was a time where I didn't want to hear that anymore. Um, my mom had recently broke up with um, a boy, one of her, her boyfriend, and he kicked us out of the house that we were living in. So we got kicked out. So we had to move in with my grandmother. And the night we got to her house, you know, I went out into her front lawn, and I was sitting down on the grass in tears, angry, frustrated. I was Anything crossed your mind, that's what I was feeling. And... I felt like my family could not get ahead. It's like one step forward will eventually lead to ten steps backwards. And it's just a lot in life. Things never worked out for us. But my mom, uh, she eventually came out of the house. She came and sat down beside me and she asked me, you know, how you doing, Alex? And I said, I'm tired, Mom. I'm tired of all of this. I'm tired of this frustration. And she said, I know, Alex, but God's going to make a way. He's going to take care of us. That was the last thing I wanted to hear. And I said to my mom, why do you always say that? Why? Look at where we are. We just got kicked out of our home. How is God taking care of us? Where is he? Where is he? I don't feel like it. She said, Alice, I know, but he will make a way. And a few weeks later, he did. We eventually got back in the house, you know, with my mom and us. But in that situation, my mom listened and trusted to the voice of her shepherd, not her circumstances, not even the voice of a son. 
not even the voice of a son. She listened and relied on the promises of her God, the promise that said, I will take care of you. No matter what your circumstances say, I'm going to provide, for you are mine. I'm going to provide. One, first, one theologian says, meekness is not a lack of backbone. Rather, it's a humble strength that belongs to the man who has learned to submit to difficulties, difficulty, difficult experiences and difficult people, knowing in everything God is working for his good. Meekness is not a lack of backbone, but a humble strength that belongs to the man who has learned to submit to difficulties, difficult experiences and difficult people, knowing that in everything God is at work for his good. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Now, we say sheep are dumb, but what is the one best quality about a sheep? It knows its shepherd's voice. If I call a flock of sheep, they're not going to move. But if the shepherd calls, they recognize his voice and follow. That's the good quality of a sheep. It recognizes its shepherd's voice. Do you recognize your shepherd's voice when he calls, when he whispers truth to you? Can you distinguish between his voice and the voice of the enemy, like my mom was able to do? Not listen to my circumstances, but I'm going to the promises of my God. He said he'll take care of me. Faith. We walk by faith, not by sight. And as grace grows you, in submitting and depending upon him, you'll grow in listening to his voice, discerning his voice in the midst of your difficult circumstances. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. So we have two blessings we have talked about. Comfort, inheritance, two character marks, meekness and mourning. Now we're going to focus on the last one for today. Verse 6, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. So what does Jesus mean here about, about hunger and thirsting for righteousness? This mark, character mark is a little different from the other three. You see, the other three, poor in spirit, mourning, meekness, it all deals with basically squeezing out self. S-E-L-F, self. Squeezes self out. And grace working in us does that. It squeezes out our self, abandonment of self. Leaves it stranded on the road. Self-sufficiency, self-concern, self-righteousness, self-unrighteousness, self-centeredness, self-focusedness. Grace does that. The blessing of grace is a good thing, but it's also painful because it murders me every day. It murders self every day. It reminds me, you don't have nothing to offer, buddy. Get over yourself. You don't have anything to offer. So every day I'm taking shots, and it's good because it humbles me. It humbles all of us. You see, as that happens, as grace begins to squeeze out your self-centeredness, your desires begin to change away from yourself and more to the Father. You see, hungering and thirsting for righteousness is about what we desire as Christians. And Jesus is talking about desiring more of God. 
more of his characterness in your life. Your, yourself is removed from the throne of your life, and Jesus is there. The one king of your heart. The one king of your life. The psalmist says in Psalm 42, As the deer pants for the streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O Lord. My soul thirsts for God, the living God. When was the last time that was true for you, for me? That my soul, my being, thirst for God. Not for his blessings, not for material stuff, but just for God, for who he is. That's hungering and thirsting for righteousness. That kind of thirsting. And we don't have much of it here in this world. We love Jesus far less than we profess. I've said that a lot too. Easier here on Sunday, but we love him for less than we realize. Hungry and thirsting for righteousness is thirsting more for God. To know him more. To love him more. To live in fellowship with him. Do you live in fellowship with God? With Jesus? In relationship? It's a relationship. It's not a business partnership. It's a relationship. And the wonderful thing about grace is that you can love God back because of it. Do you know that? And you can actually know him. Some of us don't realize how, how, how big of a deal that is. That the creator of the universe calls you friend. Like me, friend. God of the universe, creator of all things, calls me friend. And, it, and sometimes it's water I'm washing up down on my back. Uh, I'm a friend of God. Oh, well, not much of a big deal. Everybody's a friend of God. You see, if we're really thirsting after him, man, you'll be excited about that. Yes, I'm a child of God, a child of the universe. And that's an amazing thing. St. Bernard says, we taste thee, O thou living bread. And long to feast upon thee still. Long to feast upon thee still. Drink of thee, the fountainhead. Thirst our souls for thee to fill. This is who we are for the rest of our days. Thirsting after God. And guess what he says he'll do? You will be satisfied. Mm. Does that excite you or does it just water down your back again? That he was satisfied that desire to know him more. Now, does it mean to the point where you're going to actually see God? No, that's in glory. But it means he will give you a desire to love him more. Pray for it. I want to know you more, Father. Show me. And he says and promise you, I will satisfy that desire. He at this moment, in all of our hearts, in all of our lives, He's drawing our hearts closer to him. Even through our difficult circumstances, he's doing that. Drawing us closer to his heart. you got to realize he, he uses everything, even the small things, to draw his people closer to him. So come. Everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. He who has no money, come buy and eat. Come by wine, milk, without money, without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread? And labor for that which does not satisfy. Listen diligent to me. And eat what is good. 
Delight yourselves in rich food. This rich food is yours in Christ. Citizenship in the kingdom. Comfort. Provision. Satisfaction. These blessings are available to everyone who receives Christ in saving faith. So the question is, where are you? Where are you? Do you know him? Or are you just going through the motions? You can know him. Jesus says, for all who labor and are heavy laden, he would come to him and he'll give you rest. He'll give you rest. Do you want rest? Are you heavy laden? Are you tired? Are you burning out? Are you tired of going through the motions? Are you tired of trying to be the perfect good person, trying to earn your salvation? Jesus says, come to me, and I will give you rest from all your works performance. Take my yoke and learn from me. I'm gentle, lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. Rest for your soul is in Christ. Only in Him. Only in Him. Only in Him. His yoke is easy and His burden is light. So pray with me. Father, I pray for anyone here who doesn't know you. For anyone here who is tired, burnt out, that Lord, they will listen to your truth and come to you with this. Person who doesn't know you, I pray that your spirit be working in that person's heart at this moment. Show him and her her need for grace. And they'll receive Christ in the saving faith. And be brought into the magnificent kingdom that every believer is a part of. And I pray for those believers here who are struggling and tired and frustrated from life. That you would give them encouragement. Let them know that there is comfort for their mourning. There is satisfaction for them that they desire for you and that you are their shepherd and you're going to provide for them even when circumstances say different. You're not bound by circumstances. You stand above them. So help encourage your people this morning. Encourage your bride this morning. Your bride in whom you died for. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.